Yeah, all right, all right. Welcome to Casturbis. My name is Christian Calling. With me is James McLean, and we are here to discuss the most recent edition of Doctor Who, also known, also known, or known as the Giggle. And uh, but we now you if lo- regular listeners may think, hold on, there's only two of them. They said there'd be three of them. They said they had a guest. A uh, little bit of a scheduling issue there. We're hoping to have a guest next time, though of a similar uh, nomenclature, the exact same one, if you were listening. You know, you are so close to becoming like a, uh, like a, a, a caricature, a character from like an Alan Partridge. The, Am I? You know, really? You, 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 you know, you, the guy make use of .com, you know, the guy with the tech skills and it always goes wrong. It's almost like you deliberately, accidentally activate something. I don't know how much of that you leave into the edit. But none. If you don't. There's none of that. He always does it. I mean, I, this guy has the amount of tech issues you've ever seen for someone who deals with tech and is, you know, legitimately knowledgeable and good at what he does, but somehow he's plagued by this stuff. And then, you know, the whole thing about, you know, we'd have three, but, you know, this week kind of got two. You just roll it up into like a, a neat package and you've got some sort of bit playing here that people listening to would think, well, I know, but obviously they don't get to hear the bits that you, you edit out, but for me... Well, I might leave them in this time well, since this I've made half a podcast yeah. over it. Well, this is it. I, I know, I, I'm, <laughs> you know, there's a bit of shade being cast here, but I can't help it. It's just like sometimes thinking, my God, is what do other people... Do? Is this, do they think he's putting this on? Is this a joke? Because I'm certainly thinking, is this a joke? This This weird sort of competent incompetency you know that sort of real blend in 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 british comedy characters do you know dear listener uh last week i um was um asked to drive my wife to a meeting and it was near where james resides so we decided to meet up and he's awfully polite to me (laughs) what was that i suppose it was well your wife was there so that that sort of set the tone didn't it There's, there's no messing yeah, you know, it's like, but, uh, uh, yeah, no, it, it was it was a very short meeting, but it was good to catch up, exchange yeah. some ideas. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, now I'm safe. I mean, because like I say, you know, <laughs> you're taller than me. You know, you, 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 you can you you could crush me with you know, you know, one, one fist with my partridge. So, yeah, got to be careful. But now there's a suitable distance between the two of us. I can obviously <laughs> be more relaxed and nonchalant and and safe in knowing that I am comfortably safe. Indeed. Yes. Until next time, Until where again I'll be able to be very nice and uh, placating. <laughs> and the so, again. so what are we talking about? The giggle, which was on um, mm. around 36 hours after we uh, last chatted. Yes. Yes. And it was the episode that, uh, as we discussed in last week's podcast, this was the episode that had all of the uh, the location photos taken for it, or nearly all of them. There's obviously a little bit at the end of the previous episode with. Uh, Bernard Cribbins. Excuse me one yeah. moment. Oh, if they hear this as well. <laughs> yeah, my phone's making a weird noise. I don't know why. <laughs> That's exactly what I mean. 
I mean, you're a tech guy, you know, you, you get decent stuff, you know, it's not like you, you sit on the bottom budget level with all your, your tech, and yet somehow you always have problems. Yes. So, The Giggle. You're like a uh, Buster magazine, cartoon a, cat, Wizard it? and Chips. Right. Oink. In, that's in what way? Of, in what way? Well, you're just this kind of, you know, the, 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 Hapless IT journalist yes. can't make Who his tech work. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pete and his pimple, that sort of... <laughs> so, do you know, I... Um, uh, now, I, me- I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I ended up cutting it out, but I was uh, invited to do some stand-up last week and someone had dropped out at the last minute. And the person who dropped out uh, was unable to make it. It was Simon Donald... Of Viz. Oh, God, Viz. Yeah, he does stand up now. Uh, anyway, that's nothing to do with it. We're here to talk about The Giggle, the Doctor Who episode, the third of the uh, David Tennant episodes of Doctor Who's uh, Russell T. Davies' lead return. Finally got to the end of that sentence. And, it, you know, it aired on Saturday night. We watched it. Um, I, I mean, I think I watched it on the same night, but I didn't watch it live. How, do, how about you? Are you same night? I watched, live? I watched it live. Yeah, I watched, you watched it live. live. Oh, have you? Yeah, I haven't watched any yeah. of them live. I haven't been able to. Um, Christmas stuff, I guess, really. And, uh, yeah, so the Doctor faces the, the toy maker again. Le- they've dropped the Celestial. Have they Have they dropped the Celestial? Uh, oh, good point. They do seem to just refer to him as a toy, but did they refer to him in the original as a Celestial oh, toy maker throughout good, it? I'm- good point. Casting my mind back to the audio. Mm. We're waiting. I think. Mm, yes. No. no. I can't remember. Mm. Uh, but, but, but I'm glad I came with this because obviously Neil Patrick Harris. Long time we've known that he's cast as the villain in the piece, and then eventually turned out that he was the bracket celestial toy maker. But at least I'm glad we're coming in at this bit actually because there was a lot of good stuff earlier on, and we'll come to that later, no doubt. But the bit on the base, unit units uh, Avengers HQ, and the music, and the dancing, that wasn't really Toy Maker, was it? More Toy Master. I see you've been saving that one up, have you? I have. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah no, there are obviously parallels to, to uh, the one after Sound of Drums. Yeah. The, of the Time Lord. That one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. John Sim. I, I don't know. I'm filling the gap here. I'm not quite sure where we're going with this. but yeah. Last of the Time Lords it was, wasn't it? Yeah, Last of the Time Lords. That was it. Last of yeah. the Time Lords. Oh, good old Last of the Time Lords. Last, yeah. as we sometimes call it, of the Time Lords. So, yes, there was a lot of similarities. I, I, I'm drowning here. I'm not quite sure what, what to say on this. What's your next? Well, I mean, I've, I mean, it's possibly too, um, there is an argument. It's too early for me to come into the conversation on this particular topic. I, that's I just, what I kind of feel. I feel like this yeah. is this is like we've come to the midpoint. So maybe we'll early. come back to that then, and let's yes. let's rewind because there's some there's a lot of good original stuff in there, like your your scary doll talking. I mean, I, I, is that a real thing? Did that actually was that a whole was that yeah. the real setup that Baird used? Yeah, I believe so. And the giggle bit as well. I'm not sure on the giggle bit. Uh, right, okay. Not actually, uh, it's not something I've really looked at, but yeah, it's all taken okay. from history. Okay, and for uh, fellow parents of young children, we said giggle bit there, not giggle biz. That's uh, that's another thing entirely. 
So there's that bit. Then there's a bit with uh, obviously. I'm sure, Reader. I'm sure this is a bit. I'm sure this. He, he's just. This is a character. <laughs> then there's the bit with Bonnie Langford. Oh yes. And there's also the doctor in the helicopter carrying the tag. Have you seen that little clip? Someone's uh, mashed up a clip of uh, from the day of the doctor with the last episode. No. So, so you know, when the day the doctor's carrying the TARDIS um, by helicopter units, carrying the TARDIS by helicopter. And it's almost like something they could have made a point of in writing and didn't actually have to go to the point of montaging it to make their point, isn't it? Because you, know, <laughs> well, yeah. you see your point without actually having to go to all that effort. Yeah, someone's put someone's uh, sort of cut in Matt Smith falling out of the TARDIS, basically, somehow, um, with a little clip of him being on the phone to Unit saying... Uh, when they're telling them they've got the TARDIS, and then uh, cutting to uh, Tennant uh, looking glum in the uh, helicopter window. But then um, the whole um, the whole uh, Bonnie Langford thing, the whole Mel thing, I liked that. And this was the beginning of it because there was a hell of a lot of callbacks. Well, far more, yeah. Well, I know it's the sixtieth, but far more than any Russell T Davies would have done in the first series or even the second series, really. Yeah, but I mean, they even mentioned Sablom Glitz. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. No, I, I didn't either. But I mean, in fairness, I mean, when he was doing two thousand five, there was a deliberate need to sort of yes. prove that this show could work without its legacy you know, yeah. to the BBC to new audiences. But now it exists purely on its legacy to some degree, and you know, and it being the sixtieth, which he have you watched the commentary? No, I suspect you haven't had time because you've got no. family and, and a life. Yeah, sure. Um, I watched it last night, and he does go into this a bit in this whole thing of it being the 60th that he wanted to just, you know, he, he he found it quite exciting, just sort of thinking, going like, if I was to actually sort of acknowledge the history of the show and the history of this character, what are the big moments? You know, what are the big things which should perhaps stay in the character's head? And you know, the, you know the. the the sheer, you know, the sheer scale of the gods of Ragnarok, which is, you know, a small thing in a mm. largely, un, largely forgotten story, but in itself, you know, to the Doctor, you know, gods of Ragnarok, you know, performing that's a big thing, and sort of trying to pick those little things out to sort of to to sort of acknowledge this history was kind of a an interesting, you know, intellectual puzzle, I guess, you know, which, yeah. which what do I go with? Um, yeah, because so, Mavic uh, Chen was a bit weird. I mean, I, I've yeah. never, I never sort of put him as one of those sort of, you know, you just thought we'd go with Davros or, I don't know, the Valyard. Mm. But, uh, Chen I wouldn't have gone with, but fair, fair dues. Yeah. So, and then, you know, we move into the uh, the, the past and the again with the uh, Germanic toy maker master. I've maybe laboured that a bit too much now, and which which I kind of I kind of liked this the uh, sinister German take, and yeah, then then it becomes clear who's what's going on there, and uh, there's all that mad stuff with the corridors and the and the nice uh, reveal of the 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 the, the guy from the. Uh, from you know, John Logan Baird's assistant has been uh, turned into a puppet, which uh, I think was a, a slightly un unexplored underexplored portion of the story that there's all these creatures that have been created as into puppets turned into puppets i just felt they could have maybe gone a bit further with that 
Yeah, I mean, there was loads of good things here. Um, it was, I mean, I know, I mean, I, I know you made a, a comment on one of our colleagues' uh, social medias, which, so I've got a flavour of where you are with this story. Um, and also the way that you've talked about it as well, which I think we, you know, you, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I kind of liked it all. I can see your point, though, that that was quite an interesting segment and you could certainly do an entire story on that. In fact, when we were watching it, I wasn't sure whether the whole story was going to be largely in the, the, the make-believe land almost of yeah. the toy, toy, mass, uh, uh, toy maker. See, <laughs> I got you, dear, yeah, it. Yeah, you did. It. You did. See, yeah, so easy. So easy to make that uh, mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I can see what you mean. And that was certainly interesting and a lot of fun. You know, the, uh, Donna versus the little dolls was, was a, great little bit i enjoyed that because yeah she's such a ferocious uh, actor it's, it's great to see her just get in there to coin your phrase uh yeah and it, and it looked good as well i'm not did i say get in there i think you did i don't well, think i did well that's the sort of thing like i watch on the rare occasions out. i watch football well it made me think of a football <laughs> phrase maybe you said it i don't know let's <laughs> Let's cool the whole thing off, eh? <laughs> uh, well, look, I mean, there's um, obviously a lot of things going on. Uh, not least the fact that I have no idea what you are referring to with when I said something. So uh, I'm just looking that up. But what I want to know is, Kerry and I have both kind of had a general opinion of this. And, you know, she's my like, she's always been my instant feedback board for Doctor Who. And it's very rare that I've enjoyed something that she hasn't thought was good. And it's maybe happened once. So we were on the same page for uh, the, the first episode. We're on the same page for the second episode, which we both really enjoyed. Uh, the thir This third episode, we both kind of were left a little bit cold at the end because I think there's maybe too much going on. But what, what I mean, what? how how did you feel about the entire episode? Because, you, you know, you've got that famous beginning, middle, and, well, I say famous, within the, the, the realms of Custodes. Well, in the context of the two of us <laughs> and the one person who probably listens. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, listener. Famous, yeah, yeah that, 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 that level yeah, of fame, yeah. Absolutely, if, <laughs> if they remember. If they remember. Um, you can have a bad mid, a bad beginning, you can have a bad mid middle, sorry, you can have a bad beginning, a bad middle, but you can't have a bad ending. You have to have a good ending because that's, that's what people left with memory of. So how, but you know, how do you think it went as an episode? I, I think it did everything it was trying to do. I was, I, I enjoyed it all the way through. Um, I was a little distracted by family dog get distracted me just at the point where they had the, the by generation. So I missed a little bit of that sort of setup that, you know, the pull, pull me to, split so i missed that little bit which is a little frustrating but uh yeah i mean i i enjoyed it all the way through i really i mean the ending is something to talk about in itself which i think is fascinating on, on a couple of levels in terms of the story but also in terms of going forward but uh yeah i mean i when i saw the clips of it you know or not the clips sorry the 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 this the, the the spoilers the little dropped photos uh taken um when they were shooting the stuff in Bristol. Uh, I wasn't that excited about it. I I couldn't really see where they would go with the toy maker. And while I've liked Neil Patrick Harris and other stuff, I couldn't really see what he would bring to this that would particularly interest me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I 
it is it is a Russell T Davis Masters archetype. There's no doubt about it. Um, I liked it. I mean, I even uh, liked the Spice Girls number in it. And has it been done before in Doctor Who? Yeah, but for me it was like, so what? It was kind of fun. It had a different energy. It had a different uh, push in its drama. It was less about, you know, the master showing off and just being a bit of a, a git. It was <laughs> it was a sort of a far more malevolent number in a lot of ways. And that was, and it was great. I liked the choreographing of it. I thought the... Uh, uh, Throwing around of Lethbridge Stewart and uh, Mel was quite uncomfortable, as it should have been, and the death of the two soldiers was uncomfortable, as it should be. And yet, at the same time, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of dissonance in that. I, yeah, I just just kind of liked all of it, really. Uh, okay. I thought it was kind of sad at the beginning how we, obviously, as we know, that they uh, weren't able to have Bernard for the full time they wanted. So you have that beginning bit where you can clearly see that they've not got cribbins for those, uh, those shots and they've got a stand in. Yeah. And he's kind of wheeled off away out, you know, so you can move forward and that's fine. Uh, but no, I didn't have any massive issues. I suppose if I was to sit on your side of the fence on this, the one thing I would probably say is that, yeah, you can feel a lot of Russell T Davis architecture in there, not just the song, but the use of a sort of the unit base is not dissimilar to the unit airship. And it has that same sort of function as a sort of set stage space for yeah. the, you know, the, the key fight, the key battles. Um, the sort of the shooties is very much what you'd expect from a Russell T Davis doctor. There's a lot of Russell T Davis in it all the way through the master sure. toy maker, very similar to. Yeah. But, and I agree with you as well. It was heavily packed. And I think there is definitely an argument that you're, you've kind of half made there, which is that, you know, if you took certain elements of that, they would have made very interesting full episodes um, and would have been fun to explore in that sort of sense. And I don't disagree with that at all. But in terms of what he delivered, it was suitably different to the previous two. It, I don't think it offered anything massively different in terms of, as you were saying, its story structure. But I did kind of like the sort of push to a different sort of payoff in terms of regeneration. And again, in the commentary, yeah. Davis says, I wanted to do one where, you know, it wasn't a glum thing, a regeneration. That there was actually a sort of kind of celebration to it, which I guess for him sits well with the 60th, that you have a happy ending for a change rather than it being all about sadness, which they obviously, he tries to play up a bit with the... Uh, reflection on the Moffat and Chibnall era in the things that have happened, which have been very dark and down for the Doctor. And it's like, well, this is mm. going to be something good for once. Okay, and well, that yeah. worked for me. As, I mean, I suppose this is an episode that's going to be remembered for at least one regeneration. <clears throat> but, um, so, so just about that, because yeah. there's been a lot going on in terms of people... Uh, and uh, applying their uh, what's the word head cannons to the uh, the regeneration. Now, as I understood it, the bi generation is a case of the doctors already regenerated at some point in the future, and his next incarnation is pulled backwards in time. I think that's just. 
I suppose is that I I don't know. I think people are taking uh, Shuti's uh, doctor's point that is kind of a reversal of uh, going through grief or whatever he says um, too literally. I I just think it's simply that. I think it's simply that he split his regenerated splits in two. Right. Takes, so he's I literally splitting into literally two yeah. characters. Yeah. Right. It's just okay. both of them equally the doctor. Um, right, that's what I one... thought initially, and then I read something else online, which uh, made me think, oh, maybe you got it wrong. Now, I well, mean, if I it is that, it... Yeah. If, it, if they are split, then you've you've got the whole thing, because, I mean, we've talked about this before, there was this idea of Russell T. Davies coming back a lot sooner than he eventually did, and there was going to be a sort of a, a tenth Doctor with Torchwood thing. That was apparently um, discussed uh, around ten years ago. Obviously, didn't happen. Well, they say in the they say in the commentary, both him and Collinson sort of point out that this idea of bioregeneration is is one that he's had for ages, right? And had in past thought about using, and it never just come about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think this is something which has been on the cards. And to be honest, we could argue that if that if that sort of data about him going to the states to use the Doctor and Rose as a spin off. Is there an argument which he does not? He makes no suggestion. This is an argument in the commentary. Is this kind of redoing that same strategy? Is this a way to open out opportunities for future stories in the same way that um, would have happened if they had gone and done a TV series in the US of the Doctor and Rose in a parallel, and and the one here had closed down for a bit, or had they done other stuff over here? Yeah. Is that the same sort of thing going on now? Because it feels like a very useful framework in it. Now, in the in the commentary, it's very much like we just wanted the Doctor to have a happy ending. And yeah. this is his happy ending, and yet we can still let the Doctor go forward and move on. But the, you can't, one can't deny that the fact they've kept him with the TARDIS, that they've given him a, a base of characters that could return. You've got, you've got a one-off special written all over it if Tennant wants to do a one-off. You know, you've got that you've got that there now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is kind of where we think he's going. Because he does say in the commentary, which did confuse me a little, this sort of suggestion, maybe I need to rewatch it, but I think the commentary was almost kind of suggesting that the, the biogeneration was in part to do with the, the the gameplay energy, which is around with the toy maker, that it almost becomes part of that, that, uh, that is either that there's just so much that energy around that, that, that crazy things happen. And I think even David sort of suggests that it could almost suggest that it's ha- it, that he hasn't just split into tenant and shooty, but multiple doctors that they could just use multiple doctors from here, that they could all exist in that same way that that event could have had ripples in a sense as well, that they suggest that the toy maker has interfered with the doctor's past, like a jigsaw is a suggestion of what I would call almost like if the time war was a buffer for Davis to do new things, then this is a buffer to buffer that buffer that now he can buffer the things post time war as well. That right. There's a suggestion that this energy has allowed even the doctors or the, the toy maker being there has allowed certain things to occur that shouldn't occur. Or, you know, that the, the, this could open the doors or, as Davis, I think, also points out, it might not. You could see it as a new direction of canon or a new explanation for things like the Time War did, or you could just see it as what it is then in the episode. So I get the impression he's not looking to capitalise on it in terms of the narrative, but yeah. just sort of su- make a suggestion that this could open up opportunities for them to do 
all sorts of stuff. Um, okay. And he does in the commentary sort of make that suggestion of the Spider-Verse, the multiverse of this idea of why not have fun here? Why be constricted by canon anymore? Which well, might upset some people. I mean, I think canon's quite useful for structure and story and understanding yeah, where you absolutely. are and delivering context. Um, just one thing, um, I'm, we're going to go to the Facebook posts uh, comments oh, in, okay. in a moment. But before that, the, the thing about the uh, the jigsaw, I took that as being, and then the immediate mention of the master, I took that as being a reference to the whole... Oh, Timeless Child. The whole Timeless Child thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, again, he sort of says that. He says, I think what Davis was trying to suggest, because he says, you know, the Doctor has been sort of like half-human with McGann. Yeah. And he's almost suggesting that there's a lot of things in the history of Doctor Who which are uncertain or retcons or changes, and you can now... You, previously, you'd put it down to the Time War. Now you can put it down to the toy maker the toy maker so mm. i suppose you could argue that yeah the 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 the, the half human thing the time war could be your answer for that but the time as child thing you can't do in the same way because it's post time war so you could sort of say the toy maker which was my feeling of him suggesting that at the moment he's not got any intention on expanding on the timeless child but just to kind of let that it it, it happened it's there yeah but if you don't want it to be there like the half human thing we're not going to make this a quest sure. we're not going to make this a thing whether he'll change his mind on that of course we don't know another matter entirely yeah okay let's hit facebook and uh, some comments uh, first of all carolyn edwards the uh, esteemed doctor who illustrator she says i loved it good start uh, lewis david blaney refreshing for a show that is 60 years old and it's a show about change this was a wonderful way to experiment with the formula a creative way to do a multi-doctor story. The story was epic. Shooty slotted into the role so well. You would have thought he was a returning doctor, not the debuting. Uh, Katie Paul. Hello, Katie. We haven't heard from you for a while. Loved it. Creepy, weird, imaginative, joyful, pacey. Shooty was excellent. I wish they'd had the balls to take Tennant's TARDIS, but think that would have been too much of a downer. I could have done without Melanie, but everything else was pretty spot on. I couldn't get the grin off my face much better than the Meep episode. Uh, Andy Walker, a spectacular villain and a very positive signal for Shooty's first series. Phil, uh, Phil Vernon, a typical New Who episode, then it went a bit mad. From Shooty's <laughs> entrance, yep. it felt like a different show. True. Uh, Simon Warner, an absolute banger, total rip-roaring roller coaster ride. I can't remember jumping up and down with excitement so much in years. Uh, some people might be moaning about the bio-regeneration, but hey-ho, that's Doctor Who fandom for you. And who is for a tenant spin-off with with you? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Arthur could have done so much more with the toy maker, like the weird regeneration. But tenant should have died off. Uh, I mean, I think after bringing him back, inevitably he was never going to go quietly, was he? If at well, all. I, so. I thought for the moment when he sort of when Shooty hugs him, I thought they were actually going to dissolve him into into Shooty. That was going to be sort of like a I don't want to go moment, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I was surprised. I thought Tennant was going to go. I didn't think they would do this. Did you? Um, oh God, no, 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 no. Um, but I, I mean, that, that whole thing about what I was referring to earlier with the, um, the, the, the Doctor Who Torchwood thing with the, uh, the, the alternate universe Tennant, Doctor, yeah. Tenth Doctor, I did wonder if something like that might have been on the cards, but I didn't. Yeah. I, mean, it, I mean, watching the episode, it w certainly wasn't apparent where that was going to come from. Um, just one other thing. Uh, 
Vincent Price, who, um, hello, Vincent Price, love the name. Uh, I've never seen such a load of rubbish Doctor Who is just killing the lore of who all over the place and completely destroying the Toymaker character. Uh, you know, it, obviously, it's an episode that wasn't for everyone. I've mixed views of, of it myself. I'm still a bit confused about the whole grounding of the regeneration, the the the, the by generation, the, its existence within the context of the story, what precedes it, what causes it, what leads to it, what's, you know, there was a, to me, there was a lack of a Chekhov's gun concerning this. I think that, I think, yeah, no, there's, in, you could argue, I no, you certainly could argue that. Um, I mean, I suppose if you're going to go all bidmead on this, you'd say the three episodes has, a lot of it has been about sort of binaries and transitions. So in a sense, you could sort of say, the first part is almost the Chekhov's gun uh, with the meep and which sort of sets up this whole idea of the questions of identity and, and as I say, dualities and, and transitions and binaries. But I know what you mean. I, I, I think the way I see it is, is it's something which at the moment, whether I don't believe Davis doesn't. Well, no, I could actually believe that that Davis doesn't know the science behind it. But I think the bottom line is for him at the moment, for him and for the audience, I don't think the science matters. It's about the moment. And I suspect later on there may be some more that will talk about, you know, there'll be some more talk about it because it is a big moment. It is a big change. I got the feeling that for whatever reason, call it, you know, a Time Lord who has perhaps lived too long, you know, he's now on his second set of regenerations. Is it something to do with that? And basically the regeneration energy like it did with his happened with his hand with the dr donna yeah. creates you know regenerate the regeneration becomes its own body and i wondered whether the tenant version is again a bit like the dr donna version or the dr Don yeah the dr donna is uh actually now you know infinite that he is a husk of that regeneration process, all that regeneration would have gone into the new one and his existence would be as a human, which would be great for the show because it means you could drop in stories with him, with a character who's actually now got fallibility, he's got risk involved, so he can't regenerate and can get older. So you can allow Tennant to, you know, get a few more gray hairs and not worry about it. And that would be a nice difference between the two versions. Um, yeah. But we will have to see. Uh, I said I I wasn't expecting it. It surprised me. I think what made it work was is that Shooty was just so very good in the role that yeah. he kind of just let it run because he was there's no awkwardness that you tend to get with new doctors where they don't feel like they found their footing. He just felt like he was he knew what he was doing from the start. Totally. He, and that I think is what made it. I think if you'd had it, that didn't happen. I think yeah, I think a lot more of us would be going. The whole tone of the show went wrong at this point. It felt a bit weird and a bit awkward and it didn't feel respectful for the previous acts. It just, but I think he just lifted it and gave it that um, energy. Cause I mean, in the end, I was a bit surprised that they were doing the ending on the unit base again. Cause I felt like, well, we'd been in some streets and we go to the unit base, then we go to the toy master and then we're back at the unit base. It kind of felt a bit, you know, lacking vision. And yeah. I think uh, Phil Collinson sort of points out that units, that unit set, was a lot of money and i think they were sort of damn well going to use it because it was going to cost them a lot but i think shooting kind of just made that and that's fascinating because you know neil patrick harris kind of steals a show a lot from tenant in those scenes 
Yeah, you yeah. Know, he works on that same level, and that's a tough thing to do. And then Shooty comes in, and he takes it up another notch. And I thought, that was, damn, that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I think yeah, the only thing that, that gets the only thing that gets me with it, and maybe that's just because I don't know. I don't know. I'm in two minds of it. Is is that especially after Matt Smith, I can't imagine the Doctor ever being able to settle down at all. It almost feels so ingrained in him, and I know that's the whole point. That the whole point of the story is to say it has been ingrained in him so long, he needs to stop. And that's kind of cool and it's wonderful. And, you know, to have the last line of Tennant being, you know, I'm the happiest I've ever been is a, a great upbeat line for him after I don't want to go the last time we had him leave. And that's great. And yet there's a little bit of me, you can't actually believe that that character would stay still for more than two days and would be off around the universe again, because, you know, he's a workaholic to some degree. But I like the sentiment of it. It's a, it's a, it's a nice sentiment. I also like it because it's the Donna doctor thing, which I think is, you know, a celebration of friendship rather than the Rose doctor thing, which is always a celebration of something which never quite sat well with me in terms of understanding who these characters were. I understood yeah. that, you know, the romance, but I couldn't really sort of see where that romance could ever go. I mean, I think the show knew that as well. So it always felt very finite in that sense. While this feels something which is kind of, kind and friendly and it's not loaded with those complications it's two people who are just deeply connected to each other as friends and i think that's a really nice message as well i'll stop talking i've i've no that's I've, okay no i i i i enjoy your uh, insights and your feelings about things so uh, that was uh, that was interesting i i mean the whole sort of sitting in the garden eating with mel um, it all felt a little bit odd to me, to be honest. Um, and mad aunties and whatever. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things, which is a nice idea. It's almost, little, I like the idea of the TARDIS being in the garden, but just not moving. Yeah. Just like, you know, just like getting old and stuff growing up the side of it and what have you. And people forgetting well, it's there. There was an honesty that even the writer had to acknowledge that he would never just not move. He would need those moments to uh, flit around. But I think there's an argument, again, if he can't regenerate, which I wonder if that is an underlying sort of message here, that this is, this is almost like the, uh, the, 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 the happy ending for the tenant doctor, because it would only be the tenant doctor who would probably want this, perhaps. That's yeah. what it's trying to say. Yeah. That, yeah that maybe there would be a few flits around for fun, but ultimately he'd be happy to, I don't know. It was just, I think in a weird way, it was thought provoking in a way because it was so unexpected, not just to the story, but to the character. But in the sense of what we were talking about the other week about, you know, this now being very much a Bad Wolf production show. And it is in some ways a very, very, very soft reboot. It does push the show on and be able to sort of acknowledge its 60 year history and sort of go, oh well, yeah, at this moment we're acknowledging that the doctor has an ending and the ending is, is tenant enjoying his life with these people for as long as he wants to. And then he can move on and they're okay with that. And they make that clear. And then we can sort of go, okay, for once we can actually see how the doctor would actually find happiness. Um, especially this, as they've called him, the emo doctor. Uh, but yet at the same time, we can now move forward with a brand new show, which will still have callbacks to the 60 years, 
but the 60 years has kind of given the story a kind of ending. It's just a question of whether they'll be able to keep to that or whether the temptation to use Tennant again, if not already in the plans, would uh, sort of dislodge that and we'll see him up against things once more. Yeah, yeah. Um, ah, well, do you know what? I'm going to uh, just hit a button and then talk about something else very briefly. Yeah. He says, turning the thing over so we can see which one it is. It is that one. Now, the next episode of Doctor Who... deliberately on... didn't do that wrong. I was waiting for that to go wrong. <laughs> it normally does. Again, it probably well, doesn't come out of the edit, but he normally presses the wrong button. You made it wrong now, haven't you? Uh, the next episode of Doctor Who is on on Christmas Day. Yes. We've got a Christmas special, and apparently there's, there's a musical number in it, which, oh. you know, yeah, I mean, as musicals go, my, my this is my list, Mary Poppins... Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory and Spam a Lot and everything else can just go to hell. So uh, who knows how this is going to go. But the reason I brought this up and Christmas up at this particular moment is uh, for the, the wider auspices of the Casturbis site's uh, current mission, as uh, staccato as it may seem to be at this moment in time, there's a remastered uh, Last of the Summer Wine on BBC4 on Christmas Eve from 1983. It's a 90-minute uh, Christmas special called Getting Sam Home, and it's been remastered, which is uh, quite interesting to uh, see how they've done it and what they've done with it. It'll be all nice and shiny and in HD, because most of, if not all of Last of the Summer Wine, was uh, shot on film. So uh, if you're interested in uh, reconstructions and uh, uh, remasters, then that is worth checking out. Now, uh, yeah, is that as I mentioned... the episode where he gets into the bath and it rolls down the hill into a... No, it's not that one. No, uh, Compo Clegg. That's most of them, isn't it? <laughs> after Around a certain, after a certain point, that's a lot of them. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, this is a little bit before that sort of time. Oh, okay. Compo Clegg and Foggy tried to grant Sam his final wish and sneak him out of his sick bed for a secret rendezvous, but when he drops dead, things begin to get out of hand. So you know, it's got this. It's it, it's it's got a sort of a genuine farce plot there going on. So. Mm. Um, it's a good episode. It's a, well, it's a good experience. Like I say, it's ninety minutes long. Uh, it's worth checking out. Uh, I don't really want to get too much into the Christmas stuff because we're going to be having someone on for the next podcast, hopefully, and the Christmas will probably come up then, and also it'll be closer to Christmas. And uh, so, obviously, that's pointless. Do you like Black Orchid? I, oh, Craigie, I haven't seen it for about fifteen years. No, sorry, right, yeah. A... I did a, a watch party yesterday with a few people right. on WhatsApp around the world and we watched uh, Black Orchid. And I was amazed at how many people found it really boring or simply trash. And it's kind of dislodged my own, my own certainty in, in what, is, what, is good, what is good television or what is retrospectively good television, because I'm sure some in that group perhaps didn't see it when it first came round. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I was just kind of shocked. I, I, it's I got still... some good performances in. It's got good dialogue. It's. it's I, mean, I mean, there is there is some a, truth. It's a bit compact. Well, yeah. Well, that's it. You know, there's a lot of people saying, "I just don't get what's going on." Um, and I was like, I, "It's really obvious what's going on. It's it's kind of like a a silly uh, mistaken identity times two farce twenties." Uh, 
this you know yeah, yeah, yeah. thing with dancing i don't see and the mystery they do allude to the black orchid and the missing person at the beginning which gives you the clue to what's going on but there is to be fair to everyone in that chat there was a the end bit where they actually explain everything is a really big bit of clunky exposition yes and no one seems to care that their building's on fire at the end which is really <laughs> bizarre as well there's literally flames coming out of it and no one cares uh, but yeah it was just interesting to see because there's always that thing isn't there that you know like say watching the giggle which is very much aimed at that sort of tastes of a modern day audience so then you think mm. back to those yeah, sort yeah. of ones back in the 80s and the 70s which clearly had different and i just wondered is it really a bad story but it was just kind of the sort of serialized story that you'd expect from television that to me it never seemed particularly bad but it is you know if you don't have that taint of the era i think also i, 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 I think it taking uh, it's I'm going to say, because it's so short and it's taken out of context of the era, as you mentioned, I mean, that's possibly, if you're not familiar with the episodes, either the stories either side of it, then there may be, yes, it's going, it's going to be a difficult watch. I, mean, I just like, I, it was just really nice to have a story where everything stops for a moment. Um, maybe why I quite like the end of The Giggle is just that, you know, you have about like a 15 minute sequence, it seems anyway, of them at the outside party on the on the on the ter on the courtyard where they Adric is eating too many sandwiches because apparently he has a thing about food, which was never mentioned before or since where he's just eating throughout the whole episode, you know, and, and Tegan dances the Charleston and it's just nothing really happens. And I just love it for that. I think, you know, you're so used to just everything just going high octane even in those old slower stories you know they get out of the tardis they'd automatically be arrested there was there's never any breathing and to have an episode where she's just them breathing for a little bit mm. and okay accused of murder as well but it's just just interesting sorry to disrupt you i just just no, thought it right. would it's be something right. which uh, uh do you know something else i've had that's interesting go on then the 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 15th doctor's theme tune that uh showcased at the the recent promising they did but also was in the episode there's bits of it in the music for shooty right um, i've been listening to that non-stop okay uh, I, and i mean literally just hasn't uh, i mean i'm might be glad a, you a made to take a break thing, for but, the podcast yeah oh, well i haven't actually because it's still playing in my head at the moment as we're talking so oh, okay kind of hasn't but yeah <laughs> it's just it's just on the whole time and it's not i mean as i say yes it's probably a neurodivergent thing where but uh, uh, it's a really nice, good bit. It's a really good bit of music, and it's just reminded me how much I've missed Murray Gold. Um, and he seems to do. He's always done some really good stuff for Davis. I mean, there was some good stuff in Moffat's as well, but yeah, um, particularly with Davis. And it's a if you get a chance to listen to it, anyone you can find it on the Prom stuff. Or I'm sure there's YouTube videos of it as well. Um, okay, it's a really good little bit of uh, really good motif for the lead character. So it's exciting, almost Bond, Bondian, very Bondian. David Arnold. Oh, it's right, got, okay. It's got a bit of, it's a cracking bit of paste and feist to it. Uh, yeah, uh, just another thing to sort of point out, some of the some good stuff that's happening at the moment. Uh, cool. One final thing, one okay. final thing that's in the commentary, and I just want your opinion on this. Uh, David says initially for the uh, intro sequence of the new intro sequence of the Vortex, he says there was a sequence in there where they had uh, the Doctor and Donna kind of hanging onto the 
TARDIS as it goes past, um, which right. he loved. And, and he said apparently everyone on the production team, bar Phil Collinson, who said he liked it, hated it. Absolutely right. hated it. And he showed it to Moffat and Moffat was like, out, take that out. <laughs> he did. And I just, just, what would you, would you have liked that? Do you think that's a cool thing or do you, would you I... like to have seen that? Well, do you know, I I would have liked to have had a continuation of the uh, the, the 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 Matt Smith Starfield face. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked that. that. As well. I, I I really liked that when they did that. So. I don't know why that has become such an expect. I know you know, obviously. Well, it goes back to Troughton, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But somehow. Those theme, those title sequences, I always seem a little naked without them. Yeah, it's like I the agree. face clothes them, and without them, it feels like it's missing something. Yeah, it's like the um, the the final Pertwee titles. They just they look completely wrong. Because what, what way? <laughs> he, he backward treads down a time vortex yes. away from the away from the camera <laughs> in a sort of like dare you follow me way. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the, yeah, just that is it very just weird. Yeah. I mean, if it was the other way, it would kind of make sense. But the way it goes backwards is really bizarre. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, I would, I would have liked to see that. But um, that, that's, quite, that's kind of interesting. But just going back to the episode, because there's, obviously there's something happens uh, towards the end. I'm not sure. This, this can't be the very end, but I can't remember the order of the final scenes. Um, with the, um, the gold tooth. Yes. And, yeah. and 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 the, uh, the 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 painted fingernails, recalling yes. again, <laughs> last of the time lords. It was very last of the time lords, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder. I mean, we've seen this in various shows, but in Doctor Who a lot, where there's obvious homages or acknowledgements to previous series. Chibnall did it quite a lot, where he was clearly sort of making a nod. Uh, especially in Power of the Doctor, to various elements of previous uh, stories, like using the two chambers for uh, the Doctor and the Masters, very much obviously like uh, uh, End of Time. And there was a lot yeah. of little things in there all the way through. And I wonder whether, you know, that is a kind of acknowledgement to some of those, to that era, a celebration of it. Because it is just so, as you say, on the nose. There's no doubt that Davis knew what he was doing there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I... Because not only has he brought the toy maker back, he's also brought the master back, essentially. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's cool, because which master would it be? I mean, I'm still kind of... Imagine a new one. Well, I know, yeah, I was as well, but I imagine it's a new one. It's like 75, 20, I could see almost like a 75% chance of John Sim coming back, because Davis does like to pull on people who's worked well with before and are popular. At the same time, there is also a portion of Davis, as you say, just loves to move forward. And it could be someone t- totally new, and as he would probably put, totally bonkers. Well, uh, I mean, just just hang on a minute. Two thousand and seven. Two thousand and seven yeah. was when John Sim was the master, so that would make him the longest master, wouldn't it? I know there's obviously there's been the there's been Missy, but uh, yeah, and 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 uh, and. Um, the uh, the last master as well the Rasputin master I'm calling him at the moment because I've forgotten the actor's name, but uh, he's 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 kind of punctuated it quite a bit so that would be quite an interesting sort of uh, incarnation. I mean I would I would like to see him sort of carry on a bit of what uh, Moffat did and you could uh, With the beard. just have 
Well, yeah, I was going to say, but have multiple masters in a season. You don't have to have one. Ah, right. Yeah, that could be kind of fun. And just, you could have Missy back. You could have John Sim back. You could have a brand new crazy one back. You, you. Sasha Dawan. Or Sasha Dawan. Yeah, you you just, you just could just, again, I think this is what Davis was trying to sort of say is that it's not to try and copy that sort of Spider-Verse, but you know, sometimes Canon shackles us from doing stuff, which would be great. And, you know, we get too obsessed with it and a season where they're all back in different, you know, different episodes could be fun. Mm-hmm. You don't have to explain it particularly. In fact, you know, time travel should allow it. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I do have, I do, I do have a fondness for Canon to a certain extent. But then that's something that but... I think Collinson says in the commentary again, is, is that, that whole thing with the time, the uh, the Tales of the Tardis, where it's kind of suggested, he says it's the McCoy one, I can't remember, where it sort of suggested it's uh, uh, the McCoy you meet at the beginning of that is just uh, a version of events where McCoy never died and just got old. Yeah. And that's the Doctor that Ace meets. So I sort of like, again, a multiverse version. And it's like, you know, if you just have that as your simple answer, or it was Toymaker Energy, you suddenly have an excuse to have... Sylvester McCoy back as an older character or Paul McGann back as an older character without having to constantly trying to justify why they're old when they should still be the same age if you're pulling them out of your time stream. And he was like, yeah, maybe maybe it was an alternate uh, version of the Patrick Troughton's Doctor, which Colin Baker's Doctor goes to rescue in, uh, you know, in, in The Two Doctors. Yeah. You know, is time so splintered and and yeah fractured that it's all the same but it's all not i suppose a bit like loki i guess and if you only watch that show. yeah yeah um what well, the what i was referring to was you know you know I, I might be seem as though i am slightly welded to the canon but That's when fine. i f- well no well, i mean yes it is fine but it misses the point when I first saw the Doctor Who anime that someone created about 12, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. I suddenly just didn't give a damn. I, I honestly felt as if, 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 if that was Doctor Who, I would be very happy because it was a fantastic piece of fun animation that uh, just was hooked around a few... The, the idea of it being an overlong trailer uh, that uses a few s- sound effects and uh, s- and dialogue from the series, from the classic series. But don't, it was fantastic. Don't we, don't we have to do that with canon now? Because we have, uh, you, uh, well, like 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 the meat, like this the the, the star beast, or uh, yeah, it's that is a revision. You know, that's yeah, are sure. We, are we twice. Twice to say the comic version never happened? Do we sort of argue that the time and you've got the shards it or? Shardas, yeah. Or do we just have to accept that time either totally changes or rewrites itself, but whatever it is, it's just not linear. Whether it's multiverses or constantly being rewritten, yeah, that continuity you just can't hold on to anymore because it just does not make sense. Um, so I think in a sense it's like, so are you going back to people talking about headcanons? And I always think that's probably the nicest way of doing it is your headcanon kind of makes sense of it, but you're not going to sort of expect the show to give you any bonafide unified way of how all the stories link together because it's just now impossible not without jettisoning stories you just don't like um yeah. and if that's time and the rani most people are cool with that but <laughs> <laughs> oh i've already well, done it. okay 
Well, so I tell you what, we're um, we, we're rushing towards the uh, the hour mark on this podcast, so it's probably time for us to throw a rating in the air. Oh, okay. So, do you want to go first? Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm going to give it a nine point five, and I'm also going to just sort of say I'm not necessarily saying that that's my personal. I think that's what the sh- I think the show pretty much did everything it needed to do to a point where I don't think I can fault it. Um, is it totally the way I wanted it? I'm still not sure, but I still really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed all okay. three really, but these last two especially more okay. so than the first one. I'm uh, <coughs> I'm Sorry. probably going to go towards seven and a half. That's a that's a respectful fatherly score. That's a, <laughs> that's that's a Victorian dad score. It's one which shows the <laughs> uttermost appreciation of what's going on, and then goes back to the newspaper with his pipe. <laughs> seven point five, son. <laughs> but 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 dad, what's about when the master? No, seven point five. Yes. Okay. Yes, no, Papa. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, seven and a half. It's um, as I said, I I found that uh, thing on uh, Instagram eventually, and I think the words I used were I've, now I've lost them. Oh, hell, how? Why does it? Why do they do that? Why do these apps do that? When you just you have what you want ready, ready to read, and then it refreshes, it goes off, then it refreshes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly that. I I basically said something along the lines of it was fun, but there was a bit too much happening. So. Uh, Oh, I see Gareth, Gareth, Gareth tweeted that picture of uh, Apollo from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that incredibly sexist episode of Star Trek. Which, which one of those incredibly sexist episodes from Star Trek? The, the one where they uh, meet Apollo. Oh, Apollo, yeah. So, yes, uh, that, yeah. yes, that one. It's, it's, it's got some very special. Yeah. Yes, it's got some very special dialogue in it that uh, um, my my dad and I were watching it a few weeks ago, and there's there's something, <laughs> but they're just women or something. It wasn't that wasn't exactly the it, yeah. but that was the gist. And I just burst out laughing, and my dad burst out laughing, and we just couldn't believe our ears. Um, <laughs> and we, I think, we we're both appreciative that Mum wasn't home at the time uh so uh you you've given it nine i've given it seven and a half we will um be discussing the episode again in the next podcast along with the recent activities of our guest next time i'm not naming any names at this stage just in case we can't pull it together in time in which case you'll be listening to a very different podcast but also one that has someone else in it it's gath cavana <laughs> Now you have a choice. You can bleep that out if you want. <laughs> I'll say it again, Gareth Cavana, just so if you wanted to bleep it out twice. Yeah. Well, I could well, use the Gerald. I could use Gerald to bleep it out like that. Yes. Yes, you could. <laughs> okay, that's the end of this week's uh, Cast Over's podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to the Facebook uh, page followers for their comments. We will be back soon. Take it easy. Bye-bye now. <laughs>